Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of the uh, NFL Weekly Recap Series. So in this one, we're recapping Week 8 in the NFL. And uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about free agency. So in these episodes, like I'm going to also I'm gonna do the recaps. I'm going to go through games. I might skip over some games. But uh, what I also want to start doing is talking a little bit just about football, what I kind of read on NFL and how I interpret things, things I might foresee, and uh, just kind of do some some football analysis, football talk, something along those lines. So just gonna kind of, just gonna kind of have fun with it, see where it goes. Uh, so let's hop into it. So we'll start with the recaps. So first game we had, we had the Thursday night game, Washington at Minnesota. wasn't too uh, eventful of a game, but Stephon Diggs had another big game, good showing, over 140 yards, uh, and they Minnesota took that game 19 to nine. Moving on, we had a nail biter in Indianapolis where they played Denver. Final score was 15 to 13 for Indianapolis. They won on a last-second field goal by Adam Vinatieri, um, who had previously missed some kicks in the game. Uh, he's missed quite a few kicks as of late. Uh, it was rumored earlier in the season that he might be leaning towards retirement, considering the fact that he's 80 years old. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's actually like, he's probably like 30, late 30s, early 40s. But it was rumored, which is old for an NFL player. But it was rumored that he would be retiring. Uh, or that he was at least thinking about retiring, but clearly he's still playing, and he hit a game-winning 51-yarder too. I think he had missed he had missed a 54-yarder previously, and he had missed another kick too. Uh, I think it was an extra point actually, and then he was able to to nail the 51-yarder for the win. So good for Vinatieri, who is a legendary kicker in the league. So next up, we had another close game. Went down to the wire, Tampa Bay at Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill's second start for the Titans. And he came away with a second win. They came away with a 27-23 win. Uh, Jameis, the, the main thing I take away from that game is that Jim, Jameis Winston continues to be what me and my dad have kind of put him put him out to be, which is a, a very up-and-down player. He shows glimpses where you're like, man, like I could see why this guy went. Uh, I think he was number he was the number one overall pick in that, in that uh, draft. And you could see why sometimes. And then there's times where you're like, you know what? Looks like the guy that stole those crab legs. But anyway, we're moving on. So we have New Orleans. Drew Brees finally made his return. So shout out to Drew Brees. Uh, he's back on the healthy side. And they were playing Arizona at home. It's always nice to come back to that home crowd. So I'm sure Drew had a warm welcome there. Uh, and it showed because they came away with a 31-9 win. That defense was able to, uh, to pretty much stymie any movement that Kyler Murray was trying to make. Uh, and they came away with a big win there. Welcome back to Drew Brees. And a uh, shout-out to Teddy Bridgewater, who held it down, kept the team undefeated while Drew was out. So that uh, it's definitely, even when you have a talented roster like the Saints, to come in cold, and when you play behind a guy like Drew Brees, who doesn't miss a lot of games, I'm sure that you might, you might tell yourself, you know, I'm going to stay ready. I'm always ready in case that opportunity arises. And for all I know, Teddy Bridgewater could be one of those guys, and he was really ready. But... No matter how ready you are, you I should say you never expect for a guy like Drew Brees, who's not often hurt, to just be kind of to just be injured and then you're pushed into the spotlight and you're it, it kind of works both ways having a good team when you're thrust in as a backup quarterback because on the one hand, yeah, you have a good team, so they should be able to help you out. You don't have to carry as much of the load. But on the other hand, they have such high expectations between 
your teammates, the coaching staff, the fan base. So I'm sure there was a lot on Teddy Bridgewater's shoulders, but he handled it, stayed undefeated. So big shout out to him. And let's see what Drew Brees can do uh, down the rest of the season. Next up, Cincinnati. Man, I don't even I don't even know what to say about Cincinnati anymore. At the Rams, uh, both those teams made uh, a couple changes after that game. Uh, so the Rams came away with a 24-10 win. Cincinnati's 0-8. And they've officially benched Andy Dalton in favor of uh, their rookie quarterback, blanking on his name, Ryan Finley from NC State. So Ryan Finley will be the starter. And it's kind of opportune timing for him because it looks like A.J. Green is starting to practice again. He might be able to come back from injury. So if... If a rookie quarterback can have a security blanket like A.J. Green when he comes back, it's kind of good timing for him. We might actually get a good look at um, at Finley, see what he can produce. And then on the Rams side of things, I mean, uh, as some people might know, I definitely know because I'm a Dolphins fan, they decided to move uh, Aqib Tlaib to the Dolphins uh, in exchange for they got back a conditional round pick, which I think uh, could end up being a sixth or seventh from the Dolphins. And the Dolphins got a... 2020 fifth round pick now a lot of people might be confused by that move so i'll try to kind of break it down to the best of my knowledge so this deal is a little bit weird for a couple reasons a because Aqib Tlaib is on ir he's not expected to be healthy again until week 13 or 14 in the year so what that means is that if you're if you're looking at it from an outsider perspective and you don't know much about how these these deals happen for dead money and uh, for for draft picks you might be looking at the dolphins like why would they do that? They just picked up a guy who is, A, he's 33, I think, so he's, he's an older guy for a corner, and B, he's injured right now, so he can't help you right now. But the main reason being is that a team like the Rams, who are a contender, you know, they're they're in the, they're going to be in the playoff race, they're going to be trying to win that Lombardi trophy. They're a team that, and they're, they also have high aspirations for the coming future, like like right now, I should say. So they're a team that can't really afford to be having a lot of dead money on their hands. So what dead money is, is basically contract money that you have to pay a player because you're contractually uh, tied to that player for X amount of money. So for the, that number for a keep to leave is four million, four and a quarter million. So that hurts the Rams when it comes to paying other players. They just brought in Jalen Ramsey, Jared Goff. Uh, I think they just paid him actually, but there's going to be players that they're going to have to be paying pretty soon. So having the most amount of cap space as possible is pretty much the optimal thing that you want if you're the Rams. Now, on the flip side, if you're the Dolphins, you're in a rebuild. So the main thing you want is draft picks. So the way I see it is the Dolphins said to the Rams, you know what? We're stockpiling draft picks. You guys want to get rid of some dead money? Hey, we take a keep to leave off your hands. You give us a fifth round pick. So even though you can't really use a keep to leave, you basically bought a fifth round pick for four and a quarter million dollars, which the way I see it is... When you have, in the, the other part of that is that the Dolphins are leading the league in cap space and future cap space. So, four million to them, I guess management felt that that was a relatively small number for for another asset, and they might not even end up using that draft pick. It might be used in a trade for a higher draft pick or for a player. But uh, I mean, stockpiling assets is never a bad thing. When you have the money to to throw at it, why not add a, an asset, right? So I I look at that as a good trade for both sides, actually. All right. Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York, or sorry, the Jets were at Jacksonville. Minshew got back to his winning ways. He put up 29 points, which was a stellar performance by him. Leonard Fournette continues to dominate the run game. 
I think he leads the league in yards per game uh, since week four or week three. So he's putting on a show week after week. Shout out to Leonard Fournette. Next up, we have a potential game of the week. We have the New York Giants who traveled to Detroit to play the Lions. And uh, I was a big fan of that game. Came down kind of to the wire. Uh, a lot of you guys probably saw that play that Saquon Barkley had where he broke two or three tackles, spun out of a tackle, accelerated through a, a couple of guys that he put on the ground kind of thing. Um, Saquon Barkley is a, spe- is a special, special football player. I said it, I think, on the last episode, but he he's technically should still be injured. And he's doing what we see him do on the field. He's making highlight reel plays. like, And just to know that he's not even at full percentage right now, he's not at his full capacity, it's uh, it's going to be a thing to watch when he's back to full go. And he's definitely hungry for uh, for some nice for some nice plays, some nice results. So we'll see what Saquon has in store. Next up, a uh, game that was very very talked about because of some late late game play calling. We have the Los Angeles Chargers who pulled out a close one, uh, 17-16 against Chicago Bears, and the Chicago Bears had a chance to win that game. They set up a game uh, potential game winning field goal. I believe it was for forty. I want to say 44 yards, but it might have been uh, plus or minus a couple yards. But at any rate, they were in that position, and actually they were two yards up from that position with 40 seconds to go in one timeout. Now, what some of you guys may be thinking is, okay, they're in field goal range, it's a safe play, but clearly they weren't in the field goal range where the kicker hit the kick, and they he missed by two feet to the left. So what a lot of people were saying, what I think should have been done is, Listen, you have 40-something seconds. You don't have to be taking deep shots that could be potentially picked off and put the ball the ball, the ball, ball security at risk. But maybe you run the ball. Maybe you throw a quick screen. Maybe you throw a tailback screen. Something safe that will get you a couple more yards. And you still have a timeout in your back pocket, so you don't have to worry about running out of time. And that would have just made the, the kick a lot easier for Eddie Pinero, who unfortunately missed that kick. The other part about that is that as a head coach, in the NFL, at the, at the NFL level, even in the college level or in the, in the CIS level. So if I'm a head coach, I need to know what hash my kicker prefers. And there was some reports uh, on Eddie Pinero's side for this report that came out. You kind of can't say that because he threw his coach under the bus, but we have that information now, so we're going to use it and uh, trash Nagy a little bit. So if you're, if you're a head coach, you need to know what side your kicker likes to kick from the most. And... Obviously, Matt Nagy didn't do that because Eddie Pinero expressed in this report that he wasn't on his preferred hash. It's he still acknowledged that he has to hit the kick. It's an unmakeable distance, but he wasn't on it. He wasn't in the best possible environment to hit that kick as he could have been. And what we've seen a lot, like or at least what I've seen a lot, is sometimes you see a play where instead of kneeling, which is what Chicago ended up doing before calling their final timeout, what I've seen sometimes is that a quarterback will take the snap. And he'll kind of run behind a shuffling offensive line, and then he'll take a knee in the middle or on the opposite hash to get the kick where it want, where uh, where the kicker would like it and is best suited. Uh, Chicago didn't do that, which they could have done, which would have been a very safe play. And uh, we saw what happened. They didn't make the kick. They lost the game. Next up, Philadelphia at Buffalo. Had a couple of friends at that game, so uh, shout out to them and uh, Bills Mafia who were always doing some crazy stuff. So final score was 31-13 to 13 for uh, Philadelphia, who went into Buffalo, which is a tough place to win, and uh, they pulled out a win. Uh, in that game, Carson Wentz looked pretty good. Alshon Jeffrey made a couple 
really nice catches. And uh, Josh Allen, he he looked how I kind of expected him to look at the beginning of the year. I I I've never really been too too sold, and I still am not sold on on the whole Josh Allen thing. Um, and that game kind of reinforced that. I know he's had a lot of good games, and it's kind of starting to wear and wear and wear on my on my uh, rejection. Not maybe not rejection, but my my lack of being sold on him. And um, but nonetheless, he does still have those games here and there. He was shit talking of the week a couple weeks ago. He still does have those games where it reminds me, okay, this is why you don't fully trust this guy. And this was one of those games. And I mean, he put up 13 points. Kind of speaks for itself. Uh, all right, next game we have Seattle at Atlanta. Final score was 27 to 20 for Seattle. And that's a game that, in my opinion, should not be that close. Um, I'm pretty sure Atlanta started a backup quarterback in Matt Schaub. They either started him or he came into that game late. Uh, I missed the first the first bit of that game, but Matt Schaub was in the game. And to beat Matt Schaub 27-20, I mean, if you're Seattle, you're supposed to be a contender. You're supposed to be a top-tier team. Atlanta has not looked good. You're beating them 27-20 with a backup quarterback. Um, I'm not sure if it's cause for concern time, but it's definitely, hey, let's, let's take a look at ourselves in the mirror. Like, what are we really doing here? But they nonetheless, they came away with the only thing that matters, which is a win. So good for them. Next up, we had a game that I honestly believe would be the game of the week. I thought it might even be the game of the year. We had Carolina going to San Fran. Uh, that game, unfortunately, did not live up to the hype. Uh, San Fran just con- continues to decimate anything that is put in front of them in terms of uh, their defensive performances. So, I mean, they, they only allowed 13 points to an offense that was before that kind of firing on all cylinders. Christian McCaffrey still did get, uh, you know, his typical typical kind of long touchdown of the game. He played well. Uh, but for the most part... San Fran and that defense were, were on top of things. Jimmy G, Tevin Coleman. I got to give a shout out to Tevin Coleman. Uh, he had, I think, a 40-something yard touchdown run where he wasn't even touched. The guy's got speed. He's finally got a chance to start now after being behind Devonta Freeman in Atlanta for so long. But uh, he's definitely taking that opportunity. He's not wasting it. He's, uh, he's putting in some work. So shout out to San Fran. Shout out to, uh, to uh, Tevin Coleman. <coughs> Next up, a team that... Uh, I think is going to have a big turnaround coming up in the near future. We have Cleveland, who traveled to New England. And uh, we got some some pretty funny plays in that game. We had uh, probably the worst interception of the year, maybe, that I've ever seen when Baker Mayfield threw kind of what looked like a shovel pass to Jarvis Landry. Well, it wasn't too... It was supposed to be to Jarvis Landry, but it went directly to a defensive lineman. Um, if you're If you're looking at that play kind of from an outsider perspective and you don't really know too too much about football and you see that play you're thinking what the hell is he doing like he just threw it directly to that defensive player so that's what it looked like that's what it was um but other than that i mean what i what i want to bring up about cleveland is that a you're playing new england so i mean in foxborough so that's that's always a tough place to play uh, the fact that they they only lost 13 to 27 and i believe new england scored that last touchdown late so there was a drive where i think cleveland had a chance to go down and tie it so the the scoreline is a little bit misleading um but i mean new england's defense back to what i was saying new england's defense is everything that's advertised they have the best corner in the game uh, they have a terrific front seven really good linebackers uh, they do everything well and they're well coached they had a bunch of turnovers against cleveland in a rainy game so 
I mean, they're everything that they look like and they're, they're everything that they, they're advertised to be, I should say. <clears throat> but in terms of Cleveland, uh, they're entering kind of a lighter part of their schedule. They were very top-heavy, very much top-heavy in terms of schedule difficulty. And uh, I think that they're going to start turning it around. One thing that I want to talk about is, uh, as some of you might have seen, Baker Mayfield had a uh, post-practice uh, interview where it got a little bit heated. Uh, he had a reporter asking him, uh, how he felt about uh, how he how he's been feeling about the losses and um, certain things that are going bad in games and how he's reacting to those things, and um, he 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 gives real answers. You know, he's he's giving the guy real answers, and from what I can tell, the guy is he's searching for kind of that politically correct answer. And Baker Mayfield sent out he kind of snapped on the guy. He said, "Listen, like I'm I don't like losing. I'm I'm at an all time high in terms of." feeling pressure so yeah like you're you're not going to get the the cookie cutter politically correct answer and he also sent out a tweet so a lot of people are kind of are i've seen some people say that um they don't like how he handled it he's he's kind of acting out he's too emotional but as he said you can't call it emotional when it's convenient and then call it passion when it fits it's it's one or the other right so I, and to me baker mayfield exemplifies passion to to a very high degree i think that he's a guy that that definitely brings fire and whether he's winning or losing he's bringing that fire if he gets asked a stupid question in an interview he's bringing that fire so i think they're going to turn it around uh i hope they do because i mean certain parts about baker i don't like but overall i do like the guy so i hope that cleveland can turn it around next up another great game with some players that i'm a really big fan of oakland played houston in houston and uh, the final score was 24, or sorry, 27-24 for Houston. And the game-winning touchdown, you guys have definitely seen it by now. Uh, Deshaun Watson looks like he's going to get sacked, spins out of it, gets kicked in the eye. Somehow he's covering one eye, throws a touchdown pass. Um, that's the reason I watch NFL football, plays like that. Like that was, that was one of the coolest plays I think I've ever seen live. I mean, it's right up there with... Well, maybe not right up there with, but it's it, it's one of those plays that reminds me of watching that Santonio Holmes touchdown in the end zone in the Super Bowl, or uh, or the Odell Beckham catch. Like watching watching games like that live, and seeing those plays happen is really cool. And that that play kind of had that feeling to me. I don't think I'll forget that for a long time. To get kicked in the eye and then see the eye after it was super swollen, uh, and then still somehow have the wherewithal to to cover that eye and throw a touchdown pass was spectacular. Deshaun Watson is uh, is on an absolute tear right now. So shout out to them and they got the win. <coughs> Next up, Green Bay at KC, another potential game of the week. I put a star for that one. Green Bay came away with the away win, 31 to 24. Uh KC, let's keep in mind that they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. He's trying to make a return this week. It's still unclear whether that'll happen or not. But uh, he's trying to make that return. And as a competitor, you always want to be out there helping your team win. And especially because they're playing Minnesota this coming week, uh, I think he definitely wants to be out there. Because with with Mahomes in, that's a very tight game. Without him, I think that most people would probably tend to say definitely lean more towards Minnesota. But with Mahomes in there, I'd lean more KC. And uh, and that would be a, definitely a game to watch. So we'll get into that, though, in, uh, in the predictions for Week 9. But in that game... Uh, Aaron Jones, uh, he's been really both Aaron's on that team. Aaron Rodgers had that insane touchdown to uh, Aaron Williams, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams in the corner of the end zone. That was uh, a crazy play. 
what I think and what my dad kind of thought is that he might have been trying to throw it away and it just didn't have the power because he was getting hit. But uh, knowing Aaron Rodgers, he might have done that on purpose and just thrown it literally to the perfect spot. Touchdown, Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones had a great game on the ground and catching the ball. Uh, so, I mean, Green Bay looks very good. That defense, as I've said multiple times on this podcast, I think that they've had hiccups, but overall I think that that defense come playoff time is going to be clicking on all cylinders. That offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. Definitely watch out for Green Bay. They're going to be a team to watch down the stretch. <clears throat> and last but not least, the Monday night game. This one is tough for me to talk about, but uh, my Miami Dolphins lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-14. And as you know, if you watch the game, Miami jumped out to a quick 14-0 lead. Uh, they picked off, Xavier Howard picked off Mason Rudolph, which for a Dolphins fan, uh, Xavier Howard is, is, is he's kind of the guy right now. We've gotten rid of a lot of players. Xavier Howard is one of the ones that stuck, and we gave him a big contract. So you hang on to a player like that. When he makes a big play, it's exciting. So they convert that turnover into points. They score again. They're up. They're up fourteen. Nothing. We strip sack Mason Rudolph, and then what usually happens for the Dolphins happened for the Dolphins. Something goes wrong. Uh, looked like on the play that that started the uh, the turnaround, the twenty seven unanswered for Pittsburgh. Uh, it was an all out blitz, which has been heavily questioned. Brian Flores uh, called an all out blitz for his defense on third and long, and everyone across the board played man coverage. So when you play cover when you play cover zero and you blitz, cover zero basically means you have zero players deep to help you out. Cover one, you'd have one. Cover three, you had three. Cover zero, you're blitzing everybody and everyone else is just manning up. So unfortunately on that play, Xavier Howard didn't seem to get the memo and it looked like he dropped back into a deep third zone coverage. Everyone else was playing man. So Mason Rudolph, I mean, the pocket was collapsing. We got a little bit of pressure. But uh, eventually he noticed that, hey, this guy's wide open. Xavier Howard didn't get the memo that it was man. And the crosser eventually went, scored a touchdown. And uh, after that point, it was all she wrote. It was all, uh, it was all Pittsburgh. They came back in 127-14. But I still see hope. I still see bright spots. Preston Williams played well. Um, um, Albert Wilson, the other receiver, played well. Xavier Howard played well, even though he is now on IR. On the bye week, we had Dallas and Baltimore, both of whom are going to have big games this coming week, which we'll talk about. So, shitong of the week. This one, uh, for me, was pretty easy. Um, I talked about it a little bit before. Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. Why is it that whenever a coach makes a really dumb decision, they always seem to be vehemently backing up that decision? Like, even Brian Flores, when he called the all-out blitz on third and long he said I'm not going to sit here and, and second guess the call maybe you should Brian because it led to a touchdown that eventually lost you the game Matt Nagy I'm not gonna I had, I had zero thought of trying to advance the ball further and run more plays well clearly you should have because your kicker didn't have the leg to hit that 44 yard field goal and maybe you should have known what hash you like to kick from just saying so on that note Matt Nagy you're my shit tongue of the week um, the fact that you missed the kick by two feet, which, I mean, if you move the kick up by two or three yards, maybe even five yards, that's a make, right? If you put it on the right hash, that's a make. So Matt Nagy, you, you cost your team a win at a point in the season where I believe the Bears are now three and four. I think they're three and four. Let me, let me verify that real quick over here on the laptop. The Chicago Bears are three and four. So 
there's a big difference between three and four and four and three. Right? You they it's not like their season's over. They could still I mean it's not gonna happen, but they could still technically go twelve and four. Uh, so they definitely still have the the ten win kind of potential in them. But this this every loss sets you back. Every loss you can look back at the end of the year and be like, man, if we would have had that one game, right? In, in terms of playoff position and even making the playoffs potentially because they're not a surefire to make the playoffs at this point. Now, honorable mention for uh, Shitong of the Week, I had to go to Baker. Uh, as we talked about, he had that uh, really crazy interception that did not look like it should have ever been thrown. There were times in that game where he looked like, uh, rightfully so, that he was being kind of engulfed by that Patriots defense, and we've seen them do it time and time again. They had the lowest passer rating uh, against um, of any team, which it's kind of speaks for itself. I mean, they're they're a great defense, one of the best I think we've seen in uh, in quite a long time, and that includes teams like the Ravens and Pittsburgh from uh, from those days. I said it, I said it. I might get some heat for that, but I said it. They look really, really good. <clears throat> All right, time for the Week Nine predictions. So, uh, I think that this week is going to be pretty solid. I'll just start off by saying that I'm excited for it. Uh, my team has a chance to win, which we'll talk about. We'll see if I pick them or not. So let's get into it. We have San Francisco at Arizona on Thursday night. Well, tonight, actually, because I usually post these on Thursdays, right? So tonight we have San Fran at Arizona. San Fran is red hot. They're undefeated. Arizona has potential, and they've played well at home. But, uh, I mean, Kyler Murray against that defense, I don't see him pulling out a W. I'm going with San Fran. <clears throat> Last London game of the year, Houston and Jacksonville. I feel like they're always playing in London, um, but it's so it's a technically a Jacksonville home game, but it really isn't a home game for either team because it's in London. Uh, and for that reason, not just that reason, even if it was in Jacksonville, I'm gonna go with Houston. Um, I like the way Deshaun Watson played that last game. I think he's kind of on a hot streak right now. Even though the Jags just won two, uh, I think that Deshaun Watson coming in. Um, on a little bit of a streak is going to be key. He's got that confidence. He's got that swagger. So I like the Houston Texans in this one. Next up, Chicago Bears at Philadelphia. Um, kind of for the same reasons I just mentioned, Matt Nagy's play calling. Um, also, I've never I've never a day in my life been sold on Trubisky. When he was taken second overall, I was like, y'all traded up one spot for this? They, they gave up this much to move up one spot for him? I mean, he's had his he's had his showings, but uh, overall, I have never been sold on Trubisky. Uh, going into Philly, hostile territory, they have a great front seven. I don't see them pulling out that win, so I'm going to go with Philly in that one. Next up, I put a star and an asterisk. So that's the first time I've done this. So the star is for potential game of the week. The asterisk is because of Patrick Mahomes' health. So by, by now you can guess, Minnesota at KC. So if Patrick Mahomes plays... This, to me, is the surefire game of the week. I don't think it's close. Minnesota's looked really good at home and on the road as of late. Kirk Cousins has been balling. Stephon Diggs has been balling. If Adam Thielen is back too, that even makes it even more of a good game. And if Mahomes plays, that's going to be just fireworks going off on both ends. Great game to watch. Kind of like your classic shootout. If Mahomes doesn't play... Uh, that kind of changes my stance completely. I think Matt Moore is still a, a serviceable backup, but not kind of that fireworks uh, quarterback that Mahomes is, that, that dynamic, really talented guy that Mahomes is. And that's also going to affect who I pick. So if, if KC plays Mahomes, 
uh, if they if he battles through that injury and plays, I'm going to go with KC. I think that that team's going to rally around him big time if he comes back from injury. Uh, but if he doesn't play, I'm going to go with Minnesota because they've just looked really good. And I don't think Matt Moore can keep up with their offense. And I don't think their defense can keep up with uh, with Minnesota's offense. <clears throat> Next up, we have the New York Jets traveling to Miami. And I got the Dolphins, baby. You know what it is? I've picked the Dolphins once before this year, and they burnt me uh, in that game where they lost on the two point, the failed two-point conversion against, um, who was that against? The Washington Redskins. This time, I'm pretty confident. I think that Miami's going to be able to pull it out. The Jets seem like they have a little bit of internal turmoil with that whole Jamal Adams, whether he, whether he did or didn't request a trade. Um, I think that there's going to be a good chance for Miami to win. They always play better at home. Uh, and they're coming off a decent first quarter performance at Pittsburgh. You put all that together, I think Sam Darnold might be seeing some ghosts of Taco Charlton. I'm going to go with Miami Dolphins in this one. Hopefully they don't burn me again in the pool. All right, next up, we have Indianapolis traveling to Pittsburgh. I uh, didn't put a star of the game, or sorry, not a star of the game, a potential game of the week on this one, but I think it could still be a good game. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, even though Indianapolis is the favorites. Uh, I've seen too many times that Jacoby Brissett has, uh, has kind of let me down when I picked uh, the Colts, including last week. Uh, even though they won, he, he still, he, he to me it wasn't, um, you know what, I'm, I might be misspeaking a little bit here. He did play well on that last drive. He had that nice uh, break sack and throw to T.Y. Hilton on the sideline. But uh, at any rate, I don't think he'll do it again. I should I should have led with that. Uh, Pittsburgh defense looked really good. They have looked good lately. T.J. Watt is a beast. I think he'll get after uh, Jacoby Brissett, and I think that Pittsburgh's going to pull out a win. Next up. Washington at Buffalo. Going to go with Buffalo in this one. They're going to rebound against a pretty bad Washington team. And I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like Buffalo is always playing at home. Like every week I look, they're playing at home. Maybe they're going to have a lot of away games in the, in the end of the year, but um, yeah, it just seems like they're playing a lot at home. Anyway, next game we have Tennessee at Carolina. Uh, this one's a little tight to call, but uh, I mean, I'm not going to trust Tannehill. I, I called that he would uh, would lose his last game. Because as I said, uh, being a Dolphins fan, I've seen him kind of go up and down. He's won two straight. Uh, I think he's only ever won three straight a handful of times in his career. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Carolina in this one. They're gonna get back to their winning ways. McCaffrey has a big day, uh, and Kyle Allen steps it back up. Next up, Tampa Bay at Seattle. Uh, I mean, Jameis Winston. Don't trust him going into that 12th man uh, at Seattle. Going to go with Seattle in that one. Russell Russell Wilson, almost said Westbrook. Uh, Russell Wilson continues his MVP form, and uh, I think that they pull out that win at home. <clears throat> Next up, we have Detroit traveling to Oakland to play the, uh, the Oakland Raiders. I'll start that as a potential game of the week. I think that that game is going to be really, really good. Uh, Oakland's a team that they don't have the best record. I'm just going to verify what it is real quick. Let me see here. Oakland. All right, so Oakland is 3-4, and four, which it's on paper, it's, it's not a really good record. So, But the thing about Oakland is that they've been in a lot, they've been in some games where they definitely could have won. They've lost some close games where they played really good teams and they've just fell short. So what that tells me is that if you're playing good teams, you're just falling short. Um, you have some potential there. I think that they're they're a pretty solid team. They're well coached. 
So I think that in this game, even though Detroit has looked good, uh, I think that Oakland's going to pull out the W. Derek, look for Derek Carr to have a big game. Josh Jacobs, that rookie, look for him to have a good game running the ball. All right, next up we have Green Bay traveling to L.A. to play the Chargers. I'm going to pick um, Green Bay in this one. L.A. has looked very questionable. And Green Bay, I don't really have any questions for them at all. They've looked solid in, uh, in pretty much every phase of the game. Uh, so I look for them to go into L.A., you know, enjoy some of that nice weather and enjoy a win. All right, next up, another potential game of the week. We have Cleveland traveling to Denver to play the Broncos. Uh, look for this. In this one, I'm looking for Baker Mayfield to to make to have one of those games that has everyone talking, kind of warrants an IG post. Maybe one of those uh, those NFL uh, IG posts where it's like have a day, comma whatever the guy's IG handle is, and then it lists out lists out his stats. I think Baker Mayfield is going to have a big day. Um, I think Odell is going to have a big day. I think that they're going to kind of rebound and say, hey, listen, we, we started slow, but yo, we're still here. We're still a good team, and uh, we're about to put it together. <clears throat> so that's what I kind of look for from Cleveland this weekend. I think that they're going to take out the W from Denver. Next game, our last potential game of the week, and for very good reason, we have New England traveling to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and those Ravens. Uh, I'm going to go with New England, but this game to me, honestly, it's, it's really hard to call because the simple fact is that no matter how good Tom Brady is, and he's the best, he's the best to ever do it, and I don't think it's even, it's, it's close, but I, to me it's, it's clear, I should say, that Tom Brady is the best to ever throw the football around an NFL field. With that being said, this season, anyone who knows football well can see that that offense has had their, their, their little share of struggles. So with that being said, them playing a good defense like Baltimore and a good team like Baltimore in Baltimore, that's kind of, to me, it kind of just, it smells a little bit like a perfect storm is brewing. And Lamar Jackson is always capable of having a big game where he kind of uses his legs, uses his arms. Um, so I'm, I'm still going to go with New England, but look for that to be a game of the week. Could go either way. Hopefully it's a high scoring game with some big plays. And last but not least, we have the Monday night game. We have Dallas traveling to New York to play the Giants in a divisional game. Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. Or sorry, not the Giants. I'm going to go with the uh, with the Cowboys in this one. But I do think that it's going to be another good game. Not Maybe not game of the week material, but I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I look for Saquon to make some big plays. Look for Ezekiel Elliott to make some big plays. Amari Cooper too. Uh, Dak Prescott, guys like that. So that about wraps it up for the uh, predictions. Um, for week nine in the NFL. I just want to mention, um, I've said it a, a few times on in different mediums, but thank you to everyone who's been rocking with me. I really appreciate it. I know I've been doing a lot of football talk, but uh, I will be branching out very soon. Um, actually supposed to be having on a couple of my good friends who are big into the NBA on uh, this week to talk a little bit about, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit about the NBA season that's just started. Uh, kind of get some more basketball content going trying to get in some training content going, some nutrition content, stuff like that. So definitely trying to, I'm still going to talk about football either way because that's my sport, uh, but I'm definitely trying to branch out a little bit, talk about some other things. Um, and before I wrap it up, I just want to give a shout out. If you're on YouTube, you could see I'm wearing my Calm Fitness uh, my Calm Fitness shirt here. You can get them if you DM uh, Dion at Calm Fitness on IG. Uh, he, he's doing a great thing, man. He's uh, he's definitely doing a great thing in the community. He's posting about uh, 
physical activity, how to do certain exercises like that. So any anything that promotes physical activity and, and that kind of good lifestyle, I'm all for it. And especially it's one of my boys, I got to give uh, give love and, and show support. So shout out to Dion, Calm Fitness, hit it up on IG. And uh, that wraps it up for me this episode. I'm Brandon Smith. Thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you again very soon. So take care. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.